We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. So functional faith, the idea behind this series that we have been in the last couple of weeks has been just to try to give handles to following Jesus. There are a lot of times very big ideas and, and things and ideas in Scripture that we hear about that we say, how do I actually do that though. And uh, today is going to be no different. We're going to cover the topic of prayer today as we talk about how to pray. But I wanted to just take a moment and why don't we welcome our Eureka family that is joining us today. Can we say hello to Eureka today? Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are so glad that God has brought us together, our communities, and we're so glad to see what God is doing there. So how to pray. How do I pray? I think it's good to know. I, honestly, I'll just open up and say I'm not really the kind of person that I feel is very good at prayer. I, I don't know that I necessarily have all the right words. I feel inadequate so many times when I pray, although I find myself having to pray a lot. And it's just one of those things that I want to make sure that I am being effective in my prayer. So I don't, I don't necessarily need to sound like a certain thing. I don't, I don't need to impress people, but I want my prayers to be effective. And I think that's probably your heart as well, is that you want to pray prayers that reach heaven. Is that right? Is that kind of like what we're hoping for? I would think I would want to pray a prayer that is not just for uh, the people around me listening, but it is reaching heaven and getting the attention of God. So we're going to jump into that today, but I think if we're going to talk about prayer, we should probably pray before we talk about prayer. So let's go ahead and ask the Lord for his help today. Jesus, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful that in moments like this, when we get together and we open up scripture, you speak to us and we just ask that you would do that again. We just ask that you would speak to us in this moment. Help me as a communicator and help every hearer to be open to your word being preached. And I pray that as the seed of the word is being planted, that it would bear much fruit for your kingdom, for your glory. Lord, teach us to pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I know it's going to seem maybe simple to those of you who are very good at praying, but uh, just looking over this message and getting it together for myself has been very helpful for me because there are times in my life, and it's probably happened with you as well, that there are, you send out a prayer, if that's a thing, but you kind of like, you pray and then you just wait. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to like, if you have an iPhone, you've probably seen the iMessage bubble where you can see someone is texting, right? Well, it looks like this, and you can tell when someone is responding to you, but they haven't gotten to you yet. So you're waiting with bated breath. What are they going to say? What are they going to say? And you want to know, and you're curious about this. I'll just be really honest with you. I'm not a very patient person, and I hate when God does this to me. When God does this to me, and I pray, and, and it's just like crickets, and you're like, what are you doing? It's like, I know you're probably doing something, but I can't tell what it is. And I'd love if you just kind of filled me in. Let me know at least what you're thinking, where we're headed. Give me some progress on this thing. And, and it can be so frustrating just waiting on God. And today, I want to encourage you just before we start that waiting and having to wait and not hearing a response doesn't mean no, and it doesn't mean that I'm angry with you or that you prayed wrong. It could mean that you prayed wrong, possibly as we'll see in a second. But I really believe that it's important for us to understand first, B 
be patient with the Lord. His, his timing is not like our timing. My focus today is just, I want to pray the kind of prayers that get there. I'm going to trust him with the timing, but I want to at least pray the kind of prayers that he hears, that gets to his ears, right? So, you know, whenever I order something on Amazon or eBay or whatever, I don't know about you, but I'm checking that tracking number like every day. I want to know when it's going to be there. I'm waiting at the door, looking through the blinds, you know, I just can't wait for it to get there. And I just think it's good for us to slow down and say, God, I trust your timing. And, and I'm not going to try to rush you, but I do think it's helpful if we can see there's a kind of prayer that God responds to. So as we look at that today, I think it's important for us to understand that we're, we're not the only ones who've ever felt this. The disciples, Jesus' disciples asked the same thing. They wanted to know, how do we pray better? How do we pray in a better way? So today's message is called, How to Pray. And what I want to try to do in this message is answer the question, what kind of prayers reach God's ears? What kind of prayers reach God's ears? And here's kind of set up the story and set up the context for this verse that we're all very familiar with, is the disciples are watching Jesus live his life, right? So they're watching Jesus walk through different towns and communities, and he is just, he's blowing their minds with his wisdom and miracles and his teaching and all of these things. And they see Jesus do something that they think is probably the key to his life. The, the key to Jesus's earthly life was actually his prayer life. They saw Jesus escape again and again, the Bible says. He would often get away to spend time with the Father, to hear the Father's heart. Because the way that God designed Jesus's time on earth is that Jesus would be fully God, but yet fully man, and he would need to experience what we need to experience. So to get direction for moments, to get direction for the next thing, Jesus spent time in prayer with the Father. And Jesus would listen, and then he would do. So the disciples see this model with Jesus, and they're like, okay, Jesus, you got to teach us how to pray. We see you praying. We see these great results. We don't know how to do what you are doing. So they go to Jesus in Luke 11, verse 1. It says this, that once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Now, when Jesus is saying, this is how you should pray, he's not saying, pray these exact words. Instead of a pattern, think of it as a model. Jesus is saying, I'm about to say some things that are going to be a good model for you to base prayer off of. So he says this, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield into temptation. And he keeps on going, deliver us from evil. And he continues to, to talk about this relational aspect with God. I want to talk about today what it means to learn to pray. So if you've ever noticed this, I think we, we can probably learn to pray almost like Facebook is learning us. Have you noticed that Facebook is learning you? 
I, I, I was at a restaurant not long ago, and I, I saw on the menu, I mean, it's like a taco place. I'm getting these tacos, and I see on the menu, one of the options were these, like, this is Louisiana for you, by the way, some, like, deep-fried Oreo dessert kind of things, okay? So I'm like, I want these deep-fried Oreo kind of things. So I, I, I tell the person I'd like an order of the deep-fried Oreo things. So I get an order of these Oreo things, and I only say it once. I say it once to the person. I have never ordered Oreos in my life. I've never Googled Oreos in my life. I get back down to my table with my burrito. I sit down. I open up my phone, check Instagram. There's an ad for Oreos on my phone. Now, you've probably had something very similar happen to you where you're talking with someone and you get a suggestion. You start getting ads for certain things. And for all of you Montana conspiracy theory people, yes, your phone is listening to you. Your phone is listening, Facebook is listening, they're paying attention to you. And while it is creepy as heck, we could probably learn a little bit from Facebook. Facebook knows how to talk to us because it listens to us. And I think we can learn how to communicate with God by listening to his heart more. So what I, wanna, I want us to understand too is that prayer is not just spitting out all of these requests to God but it's hearing his heart, knowing his heart, listening for his heart. And when you understand God, you understand how to pray. So this is what the disciples are doing. They see Jesus and they're like, you're doing something we're not doing because your life don't look like our life. So they're like, teach us how to pray. So Jesus tells them this, this, this not this pattern, but this model. He's like, here's what it should look like. And I want to I want to pull apart the Lord's Prayer, and I want to look at some major key elements that I think will be super helpful for us as we think about how to pray. The first thing Jesus says is he says, he starts off with Father. Father. I think the first aspect we need to consider when we pray is that our prayer should be relational. We need relational prayer. That's the kind of prayers that we should pray. If we want our prayers to reach God's ear, we should pray relational prayers. It's funny that like I am still learning Brooke. Brooke and I started dating over 22 years ago. This year, we're going to hit our 21st year anniversary. And it's amazing when we go on a date or anything like that, like I'm still learning her. There are things weekly that I'm learning about my wife that I've been with for over two decades. And it's because we have conversation. As we're having conversation, as we're talking more, I'm learning a, a new food that she likes or a new perspective she has, this, this new direction that she wants to head, this new vision that she... I'm like learning her all the time, but I wouldn't be learning her if I wasn't talking to her, if it wasn't relational, if it wasn't, I'm going to say some things, but I'm going to listen as well. I want it to be relational. And I think really more than even just talking back and forth. I love that Jesus starts with Father because I, sometimes we approach prayer with fear, like God is angry with us and I better get this right. And I love that he says, look at God as a Father, that he loves you. He cares for you. He has a good plan for your life. And he doesn't want to stomp you and he's not angry with you, but the wrath of God was already poured out on Jesus. So he says, think of God as father first. Approach him as you would a dad, a good dad. And I think God is really, if you think about it, God is more concerned about the relational aspect of prayer than checking things off the list and getting answers. Sometimes we look at prayer that way. We're like, I need this thing to be done. But because of that, it can become very task-oriented. And like sometimes when we pray, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's like, I, mean, I probably did it today when I was praying. But like you wrap up the prayer with like, in Jesus' name, amen. And when you say amen, it means the prayer's done. 
The prayer's over, right? Like I'm finished praying. That part of my life, that section of my spirituality is done for the moment. I'm not praying anymore. What Paul challenges to is really interesting. If you want to memorize scripture, here's a great scripture to start with. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, never stop praying. That's an easy one to memorize. <laughs> never stop praying. Now, when I read that scripture and I hear what Paul is challenging me to, to never stop praying, my first response is, How? What do you mean never stop praying? Like I have to talk to other people in my life. I have to like go on with my life. How do I just never stop praying? And what I think Paul is trying to say is don't let amen be I'm done with this. But instead, this is an ongoing conversation that any moment in my life I can pray. I can ask God. I don't have to get all somber and get in a, and take a deep breath and start. Mm, like I don't, have to, I don't have to get to some place to pray. I can just pray because he's relational. He wants relationship with me. He wants to hear my heart at any moment. So I don't have to get in this certain prayer mode, but like I'm always in relationship with God. I love how Martin Luther said it. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. He's saying for us, prayer is the lifeblood. It is our source of life. It is, it is a fresh breath when we pray because it's communion with God. And just a couple of like tips in that vein, like my mom taught me some very cool things about prayer. Not only did she never stop praying, but she, and I think part of it is because she always prayed, she constantly prayed, that she would pray with people in the weirdest locations. I remember like we'd be in a grocery store, we'd be in Walmart, and she would talk to someone who has had something going on, and she'd be like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. And I'd be like, oh good, let's leave, and then you can pray for her later. She'd be like, right now. I'm going to pray for you right now in aisle 18. We're going to pray right now. So she'd be calling down heaven in the toy aisle at Walmart praying for this lady. And I was just like, mom, I'm too cool to be praying for people in Walmart. And she taught me this, this valuable lesson about prayer. That, that prayer is not just this checking things off the list and throwing these, like my order to God, like here's, here's what I want. But it's, God, I understand the importance of inviting heaven down to earth. And you change things. So I'm going to ask you to come and be a part of this moment right now. So I'm going to pray right now with you. Yesterday, I was on the phone with Pastor Lance as we were just talking about this weekend. And there was a moment he was kind of wrapping up, and I could feel the tiredness in his voice. And, and I just felt like the Lord said, pray for him right now. So I'm just asking to pray for you right now on the phone because my mama taught me better than that. So I prayed for him on the phone right there. Yesterday, I was in the emergency room actually with my daughter. She broke her wrist yesterday. So I'd love for you to pray for her as well. But I'm in the, I'm in the room and I see her go in and out of wincing of pain. And in those moments, it wasn't just like, hey, when the doctor sees you, it's going to get better. And like, you're going to need some, you're going to get some medicine a little bit. It was just like in and out in the waiting room while we were waiting and she was sitting on the bed there. Like there were just multiple times where I just stopped and we just prayed. Because I don't finish praying. We, we never finish. We're just in communion with God. We're just constantly talking with God. Another really important tip that may help you with prayer is pray out loud. And you're going to see why in a second, because prayer will help you to see what you sound like and how maybe potentially selfish your prayers can be, but also Satan cannot hear your thoughts. Demons cannot hear your thoughts. When you pray out loud, you put the demonic on notice. You let them know, I'm not going quietly into the night, but I'm going to fight. 
and I'm going to stand on the name of Jesus, and I'm not going to allow you to attack myself, attack my family any longer, but you speak with boldness and with clarity, and you let the darkness know where you stand. And I think it builds your faith. It builds the faith of people around you when you learn to pray out loud. So relational prayer, it's it's a communion with God. The second thing is this, worshipful prayer. Because he says this, he says, may your name be kept holy. And I love this, it's a spirit of honor behind prayer. So yes, it's relational, but even though he's father, he's not my homeboy. God is holy and he's perfect and he's the creator of heaven and earth and it's good for me to see him that way. It's good for me to be in awe of him, to to have a holy reverence and fear of him when I pray to respect and honor his name. And I love that it says, may your name be kept holy. What is a name? A name is a reputation, right? So when we think about a name, we think about the name of COVID or we think about the name of cancer, it strikes fear, right? But when you think about the name of Jesus, the Bible says that the name of Jesus, every, everything else under heaven and earth would bow. So when I speak the name of God and, and I'm praying and I I recognize who he is and the story and the history and the legacy behind his name. I pray differently. Well, I love this verse. It talks about this this perspective of honor in Psalm 97. It says, this is such a great verse, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. Now, I'll be honest with you, in Louisiana, I didn't really understand this verse because in Louisiana, I was impressed if I saw a hill this big, I'd be like, oh, rolling hills. <laughs> and it was like a dirt pile in someone's yard. Moving here has blown my mind. When I was in Glacier yesterday and I'm looking around and every time I go in, I'm just like, wow. I mean, it's majesty, right? And when you compare that and you look at that and you feel so small and so insignificant and you look at that and you read a verse like this, that this melts like wax before our God. He is holy. He is perfect. He is amazing. He is powerful. It changes the way you pray when you think about God's power like that. In, uh, at the end of, or in the middle of this month, actually, our students are going to be going to a conference, vision conference. And the theme of vision conference this year is no eye has seen. And I love that perspective. And I think our students need to understand that no one can begin to fathom how great our God is. You can't even begin to understand his plan for you, how powerful he is. And that's just why I'm so excited about it. If you haven't signed up, I'll just do an announcement in the middle of the message. If you haven't signed up your student yet, make sure that they're signed up for Vision Conference. But I love this perspective that we are making sure that the next generation understands how great and glorious our God is. So it's relational. We want to have a relational prayer life, but we also want to have a spirit of awe in our prayer life. The next thing is this, God-centered prayer. I want to pray God-centered prayers. Jesus said this. He said, your kingdom come. And he didn't just say your kingdom come, but he said your kingdom come soon. And I think Jesus is challenging us, pray prayers that are bigger than you. Pray prayers that are bigger than the thing that you want, the thing that's right in front of you that you want God. And it's not, there's no prayer too small. I'm not going to, I don't want you to think that that's the, you just got to pray big things. But I want you to understand that there are certain prayers we pray, and this is why when you pray out loud, sometimes you can hear it. Man, I pray a lot about myself. <laughs> I pray a lot of self-centered prayers. And we can begin to understand, and we can, our prayer life will change when we begin to wonder, what is on God's heart? 
I want to hear your heart, and I want to pray in such a way that you hear it because you care about it. In James 4, verse 3, he challenges the church, James does, and he says this. He says, when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. James is saying, hey, there's a certain kind of prayer that doesn't go anywhere. It's the prayers that are self-centered. And sometimes I can be guilty of this. I can be guilty of using God like a chess piece in my life. Like, I need this thing to happen, so God, would you come and do this? And if you take care of this and that, then I'll make this move and I'll do this. And we think God is like this tool that I can use to get what I want. I want to be the kind of person that prays prayers that are about him and about his kingdom. And I'm shocked all the time at how self-centered I can be. Years ago, I was, um, I entered a video contest shot this video that had to do with cyberbullying, and you guys know McGruff the Crime Dog? Remember McGruff? Anybody? Like, back in the 80s, remember McGruff the Crime Dog? Okay, so it was like something for, I want to say it was something for his campaign, like he's a real thing, but it was McGruff the Crime Dog kind of a campaign, and it was like, don't cyberbully people. So I made this video with some of our students, and I submitted it, and there were, there were like two winners in the whole country, and the, the reward was uh, $20,000 of video equipment and a trip to Washington, D.C. So I submitted a video and I prayed and I said, Lord, this is just shot in the dark kind of thing, Lord, but if I win, I'm going to give the video equipment back to you. That's how, that's my heart, Lord. I just want you to hear it. I'm going to give you the video equipment. You can have the church. I'll give it to the church. And I'm praying this and I can almost look back and remember, like I'm praying it almost to like impress God. Like, like a holy I am, I would give you this stuff. So I'm praying this prayer. And like in a couple of weeks, I get a response. I won. I won this, this video contest. So I get all of this video equipment. I get tickets to Washington, D.C. And the moment I get all this stuff, I start asking God, so if I use the camera for the church, does that still count? as me giving it to the church. I'm trying to backpedal on this promise that I made to God because I'm like, I'm so self-centered. I committed this thing to God. I'm like, God, I want, I want you. I want this to benefit your kingdom and your glory. And then when it came down to it, I was like, but could we do it like this instead? And I was just so, I, I never forget that because I was reminded at how easy it was to, to, to think inward, to think about myself. And it's true of so many of us that we can pray these prayers that seem innocent. And I just want to say, like, God looks at your heart and he responds to your heart. He doesn't care about, if you want to be heard, he doesn't care about your words. He cares about your heart. And I love how, how, he, how Jesus says, pray that your kingdom would come. And not just that it would come someday, like after I did all the stuff I wanted to do. But he says, pray that it would come soon. How many times have you heard somebody pray or, or say, or maybe you've said, like, hope Jesus comes after I get to do this fill in the blank, you know, whatever it is. I hope Jesus comes after my honeymoon or after I get this job or this raise or I get to make a million dollars or whatever it is because I want to live my life first. And I love how Jesus says, your first priority needs to be kingdom. Let your prayers be kingdom prayers. More than anything else, this is what I want. This is my heart's desire. Lisa Cherkers says this. She says, the reality is, my prayers don't change God, but I am convinced that prayer changes me. And I think that's one of the things, one of the reasons God cares so much about our heart and the kind of prayers that we pray is because it reveals who we are. 
And when we pray more, especially when you pray out loud, your heart is revealed. And I think that in prayer, we change. When we not just speak to God, but we listen to God, we begin to change and we can become more like him. And here's a couple of prayers that, here's, here's scripture kind of lays out like the kind of stuff God answers. In, in Psalm 37, it says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. You know, we always say, you know, talk about God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Well, only if they're his desires. If your desires are rooted in sin, why would he give that to you? If it's rooted in self-centeredness and self-elevation, why would he give that to you? When your heart is in line with his, then the desires of your heart will be met because they're the same as his desires. In, John, in 1 John 5, 14, it says this. It says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. So God hears us when we don't pray self-centered prayers, but we pray for things that are about him and his kingdom and his plan. The prayer that God will always answer is, Lord, help me to tell someone about Jesus today. Is it about him? Is it about his kingdom? He will advance that prayer. He will answer that prayer. The next thing is this. The next kind of prayer that gets to God's ear is faith-filled prayers. Faith-filled prayers. I love how Jesus says, he says, Pray for the food you need that day. Pray for the food you need that day. So what he's trying to say is, if you remember the story in the Old Testament, when the Israelites are in the desert for 40 years, it says that God fed them with manna from heaven. This perfect, dried stuff that came from heaven that they would make cakes from, and it was sweet. It came from heaven, and every day they were required to depend on God for that day's sustenance. And even though for 40 years, it's like God provide, God provide, God provide, God provide, God provide, God provide, they're still like, but I wonder about tomorrow. I wonder if he's going to do it again tomorrow. So some of them began to hoard it and they would keep it overnight and they would put as much as they could in jars and they would hoard it and it would be full of worms the next day and it would be useless. And I think God was trying to say what Jesus is saying to us as well is trust me for tomorrow. He's not saying don't make plans for tomorrow, but honestly, None of our plans, the Bible says that we make plans, but the Lord determines our steps that like, we can make plans, but honestly, our sustenance and everything good comes from him. So we need to pray the kind of prayers that understand that you have my tomorrow in your hands. I trust you for my tomorrow. So I'm going to continue to pray prayers that are full of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. If you want to please God, if you want to reach his ear with your prayers, you've got to pray faithful prayers. But it's funny, like today, we think we have all the answers. So we live in this Google generation where if you have a question, then you just type it in. And like you can even self-diagnose yourself on WebMD, which I do not suggest, by the way, because you could have like an ingrown toenail and you're going to think you'd be dying that night because it's always like the worst possible thing. So you're like, you know, Googling all this stuff, this information about your life, and you're trying to just figure things out. And I'm not saying be dumb and don't research and don't learn or whatever, but sometimes a perspective of I need to know how I can fix myself, fix this problem, can take that aspect of faith out because we want to know how in the world is this going to work out? And I've got to know the answer. And because we're so afraid of not being in control, 
We, we don't really live lives of faith. And, and, God's, and Jesus is trying to tell us, like, listen, it is faith that pleases me. When I was a kid, I remember the first prayer that I can remember praying out of faith was I was probably in the range of like eight years old. And I had these warts on my hands and my arm, my elbow and everything. And, I, and these warts were obviously unsightly, although I didn't really care about impressing girls at the time. But I was just like, these are nasty warts. And I remember my mom telling me, she's like, why don't you pray and ask God to take away the warts? So when you're a kid, you just think, okay, well, I mean, if, if God can do it, I'm just going to pray and ask God. And I had no reason not to believe God could do it. So I remember praying. And one day I wake up and every wart on my body is gone. And it was like, it wasn't like they disappeared slowly. You know, like they didn't get smaller and smaller. They were just there and then they weren't. And I remember going to my mom and I was like, mom, my warts are gone. And she was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, let's praise God for it. And I was like, I didn't really fully understand. I just knew that I was told God could do it. And I just trusted God did it. God could do it. And he did it. And I was just like, God just responds to faith. And somewhere along the line, unanswered prayers or different things, I've prayed different. And there's a little bit of doubt in my prayer sometimes where I pray and I'm like, God, you could do it. And then you say something like, but if you don't do it, and if it's not your will, which is okay for my heart to be, Lord, if whatever your will, if it's not your will. But sometimes my faith is hindered by my doubt and the way that I pray changes. And I just, I just want to be the kind of person that does what Jesus is saying. Trust him for you tomorrow. Pray prayers of faith. Believe God for the impossible. The next thing is this, authentic prayers. Authentic prayers where you're not trying to be somebody else. Jesus says this. He's, he's, he talks about being real with God about your sins, about your sin, being open and honest, being who you are. Whether it's a sin thing or it's a vocabulary thing, I don't know if you've ever been in situations like this, but I grew up in the church, so you've probably been in moments like this where you'd be praying and you're holding hands, you know, and they're like, if you don't have anything to say, just squeeze the hand on the side of you, right? And there have been times when I don't start off praying. It goes around the circle and people are praying and there are these spiritual giants in the prayer circle. And their, their vocabulary is so impressive. <laughs> and I'm hearing them pray and I'm hearing them say words and talk about God in this way that I'm like, man, where does that even come from? Like, I don't, I'm just too simple for that, you know? And like, while my, my spiritual life could absolutely use some work and I could develop more, obviously, but I think that there are times when just being me to me is not enough. But to God, he's like, that's all I want. All I want is you. So in those moments, I'd be, I'd be standing there and like it comes to me and I'm just like, ah, just squeeze the hand. Squeeze the next hand, just pass it, pass it along. Because I don't want people to hear how insufficient I am. And I think that there's these moments when we think God is expecting us to impress him with our words, with our great words, with our great wisdom. And he's like, no, I just want you. I just want your heart. I want to know what you're afraid of today. I want to know what makes you angry. I want to know where there's some doubt. I want to know who you are right now. I want you to be honest. He's like, I know it. I just want you to say it. Because in honesty, there can be healing. There can be hope. We can move forward. But if you start off this whole thing with a lie, we can't really go too far. 
So he's like, let's be honest. And I love that perspective. And there was this, I remember when Brooke and I were student pastors, there was this, this kid, we had this amazing night. It was kind of like a revival night and students are pouring out their hearts to God. And it was just this powerful moment. And every now and then we'd have a student who would come up and they would, you know, kind of say in a word of encouragement to the other students and maybe a prophetic flair to it or just an encouragement or just like a, here's what God's doing in me. So we had this one student got up one, one of these nights where we had this revival response time and, and it was just a powerful night. And this guy gets up and he's like, I'm just so glad that everyone is coming up finally to the place that I've been this whole time. I've been praying for you and I'm starting to see some progress. So just want to know I'm happy. I'm happy for you. I am pleased in my soul. And I was just like, as a youth pastor, it was one of those like, what have I done wrong kind of moments, you know? So I grabbed the mic after and I just made sure that the group knew like, that's not our heart as a group. Like God is so proud of whatever progress you made tonight. And we're not trying to be like anybody else. You're trying to be who you need to be with Jesus. So you don't waste these moments. You go to Jesus when you have the opportunity. And it was just like, you know, try to correct that moment live was so interesting. But I just think like we have this perspective sometimes that like, if I look real spiritual, then I am real spiritual. And some of my most spiritual moments have been the most gut-wrenching prayer moments. The moments when I pray to God, I'm like, God, I don't know if I can say this to you, but this is like the truth in me right now. And I think, honestly, Jesus loves it because then he's like, that's the thing. And even if I said it, and the source of it was sin, and it was anger, Jesus is like, I could deal with that. Just speaking my heart, it's not always right. It, what, what's in me is not always the right thing. But either God can say, I hear you, and I love you, and I'm with you, or he can say, that's the thing I've been trying to get to. Thank you for being honest. Now we can go somewhere. And I think that we need to have a spirit of honesty in our prayer. God, uh, Jesus says this, about praying. And in Matthew 6, verse 7, it says, when you pray, don't babble as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating words again and again. And what I love about how Jesus says this is he says, merely by repeating words again and again. So he's like, there's these people who use these big words and they keep saying it again and again and they sound spiritual, but he's like, there's something missing. And I don't think Jesus is saying repeating the same words is unspiritual. He's saying that's all they're doing. They are merely repeating words again and again. He's saying there's something missing and the missing part is your heart. Being real, not trying to impress the other people around you, praying like you ever been in an environment where somebody's praying, but they're like bragging while they're praying. Lord, I just thank you that this morning in my 4 a.m. prayer time as I was seeking you, this is what you spoke to me in this moment. And it's just like, okay, we know who this is about. But Jesus is saying, it's not about that. It's not about other people. I want to hear your heart. This is between me and you. Even in a group of a thousand people, if we're all praying and you pray, it's you're praying to me. It's me and you right here in this moment. Authentic prayer. The last one is this. We need to pray prayers that are God-dependent. God-dependent prayers. Jesus says this is the last part. Don't let us fall into temptation. What he's saying is there are going to be times when broken humanity is going to be heading straight towards temptation and you need the help of the Spirit. I need the help of the Spirit. I need the help of the Spirit from everything, from a conversation with my wife or my kids to preaching to, you know, the smallest things to the biggest things. I need God's help. 
I can't do it on my own. And he's like, you need to be the kind of person that prays God-dependent prayers. And Jesus, I alluded to this earlier, but Jesus did it himself. Jesus did it in John 5, 19. It says this, and Jesus was talking about what, what, what he was called to. And he says, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. And in Jesus's earthly mission, one of the things he had to do that he found himself doing was continually going to the Father to see what was next. What do I do next? How do I respond? How do I take this cup of suffering? Is there any other way? You see Jesus doing it again and again, escaping to be with the Father, to hear the Father's heart. If Jesus needed prayer while he was on earth, I sure as heck need prayer. I sure as heck need to be God-dependent we need to be the kind of people that understand it's all falling apart if I don't invite God into this. If I don't ask for his help, it's all coming down. This quote is so cool. Corey Ten Boom says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? What is prayer to you? Is it kind of something that you keep in the back as an emergency just in case I need it? If stuff goes wrong, then I'll pull it out. Hey, God, remember me? Yeah, um, sorry, it's been a while, but... It's kind of this big deal I need your help with? Or is it more of like, hey God, I need you for this moment too. I need you for this moment too. I need you for that moment. Every moment, I love the picture. Every moment, every little adjustment. You know, when you're driving, it's like you're making these micro adjustments, these little bitty adjustments the whole time you're driving. It's not big adjustments like I'm going to pray every now and then and stay on the road. It's like these tiny little things. Every moment of my day, I never stop praying, never stop praying. I'm just in relationship with God because I need Him. I can't do it on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. I need Him. So I want to challenge you today to reconsider your prayer life. Is there something that maybe God's challenging you to? I hope He is. I know He's challenging me. I just want us to be an effective church when we pray. And I think God wants to do that. And I want to ask you this. First question is really this. You know, the disciples went to Jesus and they asked for advice when it came to prayer because they saw that Jesus had something they were missing. And whether it's prayer or whether it's new life, whether it's direction, whatever it is, Jesus has what we are looking for. And I want to challenge you today. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe your relationship with him has kind of been suffering. Maybe you've done kind of a church thing. You've prayed in response to Jesus before, but you'd say right now, you know, I'm not really faithfully, I'm not following Jesus like I need to be. And I recognize today that he is my source. I need to return to him. I need to come to him for what my life is missing. And it's not that you get him to like fit these needs. Like the Bible says that all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. And it is impossible to have hope for eternity outside of Jesus. So that's at the very base level. For salvation, we need Jesus. But there's possibly some other things in your life that you've just taken on yourself and you're like, you know what? I need to return to Jesus. So I'm gonna just ask for a moment of privacy, if you guys don't mind, just closing your eyes bow your head and let's just give people a chance to say hey that's me in privacy if you're online I'd love, we'd love to hear your response as well you can just write in the comments hey I pray today or I believe Jesus today 
So if your story today, if your heart is, I need to return to Jesus today. I recognize that he has what I need. And I don't want to take another step. I don't want to live another day without inviting him into my story, without surrendering my whole life to him. So if that's you today, maybe it's a first time decision. Maybe it's a returning decision. But if you're here in the room and you would say, I need Jesus today. Would you just lift your hand? It's just between you and God. Thank you. Thanks, I see that. Thank you, I see it. Thank you. If you're online and you need to pray this as well, you need to return to Jesus, just let us know. Connect card's a great place to do that. Just say, I made this decision to follow Jesus today or to return to him. So I want to ask you to do something as a church. Can we stand? We're going to go into a moment of worship in just a moment. But I just want us to stand in the presence of God. And let's just pray a prayer of repentance before God. Just returning to him. So let's say this together. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I recognize my need for you. I can't do it on my own. I'm sinful. But you are sinless. I recognize you're the perfect son of God. You came to this earth to die a sinner's death on a cross. My death on that cross. So today I surrender it all. I give you my past, present, and future. It's all yours. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.